Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato. Sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, we are coming to you, what, four days, five days, four days since Memphis held its open, a, a, opened a portion of practice. Let's put it that way. Um, practice in full swing for the Tigers ahead of their season opener on November 7th at Vanderbilt. Um, we got our first glimpse of these new look Tigers and also heard from Penny Hardaway, you know, at not in a non-statement form for the first time since the IARP ruling, the very favorable IARP ruling came out. So lots and lots to get to. We'll get to the IARP stuff in a little bit. Also talk a little bit about Memphis Pro Day coming up this week uh, later on in the episode. But Munns. Let's start with, you know, one of the things that IRP ruling gave us, we can just focus on basketball now in many ways. What were your basketball impressions of the Memphis Tigers during the whatever it was, half hour, 45 minutes of practice that we got to see this past Friday? Well, I think, yes. I mean, let's all take a moment to appreciate the fact that we can, you know, that we're talking about basketball and basketball only. I think that is uh, worth celebrating uh, or at least worth recognizing. Um, savoring. Savoring. Yes. Yes. There you go. Chewing on it for just a, an extra second or two. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 really cool uh, for everybody, for not only uh, Penny Hardaway and his players and his program and, and you know, but also the fans and for us as well. Um you know, nobody cares what we think, but uh, but but I would like to at least observe it. Um, you know, but but so so uh, I thought what I what I saw um, at the open portion of practice was a little messy at times on offense. Um, you know, it, it it didn't it wasn't very pretty. We'll just put it that way. Um, and, and I know you and I, we, we stood along the baseline for a few minutes, uh, during practice, kind of debating what exactly it was we were seeing. Were we seeing the fact that, were we seeing a, a, a like an elite level defense at work, um, stifling, stymieing, uh, you know, pretty much everybody out there. I mean, the final sc- the scoreboard read 13 to nothing. Um, by the end of the 
quote unquote scrimmage, inter squad scrimmage that was held. And I think it was that may have been 10 or 15 minutes long or whatever it was. And it was 13 nothing. So uh, one team did not score. Uh, and that team happened to be the team with Kendrick Davis, DeAndre Williams, and Keontae Kennedy on its side. Um, the other team scored 13 points. That was Demarie Franklin. That was Alex Lomax. That was the Lawson brothers. Um, KO and Malcolm Dandridge were on that team. So uh, that team got the came came out on the winning side um, that night. But yeah, I, I don't know. I still am not sure whether or not you know what to think. Did, were, were we watching you know this budding resurgence of the Memphis? You know, like Memphis was great a couple of years ago defensively. Um, by pretty much any metric that you can that you can pull up, um, Memphis was yeah, Memphis was great. Um, well, la- last year they were pretty good too. They were top they were top thirty five in adjusted defense on Ken Palm. But to your point, year before that, they were like number one in adjusted yeah. defense. Yeah, um, and and it's really no, it shouldn't come as any surprise. I mean, like we talked we talked about it before. Bef- We've written about it, I'll say. We haven't talked about it because we haven't had a podcast. But, um, you know, Frank Haith, it's, is it any wonder that they look pretty good defensively with Frank Haith now on staff? Um, and, and you know, uh, kind of going back to, um, you know, getting away from the high-profile uh, five-star recruits, uh, young, high-profile five-star recruits. They're getting – they've gotten away from that in building this team. So is it any wonder, given those – those factors that that they look pretty darn good defensively, I I don't think so. But but same time you have to ask yourself, as good as they looked defensively, is that a product of like were, did they look that good because the offense has got some question marks? Um, I don't know. It's a small sample size, very very small sample size that we saw, uh, and and I think that needs to be said. Um, but and, at the same time, the sample sizes of this team, if you look at the numbers of the team, they have, they don't have a lot of shoot. Uh, they don't have a lot of proven shooters on this team. They just don't. Yes. Now, because no, it's interesting to me because, you know, we've seen, cause I, my first, my initial impression was, I think they're going to need to be a lead on defense. And I think they can be a lead on defense because, They've got length on the wings. Like Keontae Kennedy looks like a really good defender. KO looks like a great shot blocker. Um, like he was, I mean, there were some phenomenal blocks he had in that game or in that, in that open portion. Um, and, but you know, if you look at the numbers, like last year, Memphis was 33rd in defensive efficiency as, com- as compared to number one, the year before that. They made the NCAA tournament because they were 38th in offensive efficiency, whereas in 2021, they were 117th. And in 2020, when they were number five in defensive efficiency, they were 210th in offensive efficiency. Like, I, tr- I, they don't need to be a great offensive team, but they do need to, it feels like, figure out be in the top how to be in the top 75 in terms of offensive efficiency. So if they can't shoot, they got to be better at taking care of the ball than past Memphis teams have been. You know, like there's ways to overcome what appears to be what 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 appears to be what what it looks like is going to be this team's weakness. 
which I think is going to be outside shooting. Um, and the other takeaway I had from that open practice is because of that, I think we're going to see Kendrick Davis playing off the ball a lot more than maybe was anticipated when they signed him. And I think you're going to see, as a result, a decent chunk of Lomax and Kendrick Davis playing together um, out there on the court, even though Penny has said in the past he wanted to move away from kind of those small guard lineups. I I, I just think that's going to they're going to have to do it because I think Kendrick Davis is going to be a guy who can provide them with reliable scoring, reliable shooting, and you're going to need to find different ways so that defenses can't just focus on him all the time. And, he, you know, like moving him off the ball, I think can really help him and help the team. I think that's going to be plan. I, I think that there is a chance that that is plan A. Um, and, and I mean, you know, if it's not plan A, it's going to be plan or, you know, however you want to say it. it it's the it, first that, adjustment that they'll make if things aren't going well, potentially. I mean, I, I, I would... I would say that it's not outside the realm of possibility that that is the first uh, approach. Um, I'm, I'm more convinced of that today than I was, you know, uh, a week ago. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that we're going to see a lot of Alex Lomax and Kendrick Davis on the floor together. And not only that, uh, I think, and, and, you know, you you just kind of addressed this, that, that yes, there is a, um, just on the surface, it doesn't appear like Memphis has many legitimate three-point shooting threats. And I think because of that, it would not surprise me in the least if Kendrick Davis averages seven to ten three-point attempts a game. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, that seems... Uh... I guess. Yeah, it depends how much he's playing, you know, ultimately, I think. But yeah, I, mean, I, think, that, I think it sounds. That, I'm not, I don't think that sounds outlandish. Um, well, let me put it to you this way Kendrick Davis attempted 207 three points, three pointers um, last season. And that was. He averaged to, six and a half a ga- attempts a game last year at SMU. Exactly. And he shot twice as many threes as he ever had in, in, in the, in his first two years at SMU. Um, and I think he's probably going to be leaned on to do more than that. Uh, at Memphis is my, is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it'll be interesting. Now it'll also be interesting how Memphis holds up defensively playing him and Lomax together in the backcourt. You know, that's going to be two guys, one listed at six foot, one listed at five eleven. you know, Neither probably are their listed height, you know, like it's a, it's going to be a small backcourt um, that you're going to have to overcome defensively at times. Um, but, you know, there are adjustments uh, that can be made. And then the other variable, I think, is, you know, now, especially because of this, because, I, again, I think I think this team's going to have more issues offensively than defensively. Um, you know, the Demaria Franklin question. Is he going to be available? Um, I'm not saying he's the key to the season, but it feels like, you know, he's a guy who, who scored points at the Division One level last year, and it feels like they need more guys who can put the ball in the bucket. And we don't know if he's going to be eligible or not. Yeah, no, that, that still uh, is a is is in limbo, uh, his, his eligibility status. Although, 
you know, I've talked to some people who say it's 50-50 or, you know, who feel like it's 50-50 that he's going to get the the waiver. Uh, there are others who are a little bit more optimistic than that, um, that I've spoken to. Um, and, and I, and I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say they need Franklin, Demarie Franklin to be, uh, you know, able to take the floor, uh, this season to be, to be a good team, but, but they could sure use him, uh, cause he can, even though his, his percentages don't, don't jump off the page, he can still shoot the three and hit you some threes. Um, and, and he's a three level scorer and he's, he's very good defensively. So he adds a lot to the, to the mix. They just got to get him eligible. And the deal there is he started his D one career at Chattanooga or no Tennessee tech. Right. And then art. So he are, and then he already used his transfer, uh, his free transfer to UIC last year. And so that's why he needs a waiver is because this is going to be his second transfer in as many years. That is correct. And um, yeah, so that's what they're waiting on. So he needs a waiver. So that'll be that's something else to follow here over the next month or so. We'll dive more into the personnel as the preseason uh, goes along. But uh, Friday's practice was also, Jason, the first time we Penny Hardaway spoke publicly about the IRP decision was uh, was very muted in his response. I thought very uh, just ble- uh, the word he kept using was blessed and thankful. He didn't he didn't he didn't rub it into the eye, you know, rub it in or denounce the process or declare himself vindicated. He let others do that for him. Smart move, I thought, by Penny. Um, but uh what did you make of his response? It was, you know, I think like everyone, he was just, you know, everyone's just relieved this is over and that it turned into largely a favorable decision uh, and maybe not even largely, almost completely a favorable decision for the University of Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was the best thing he could have done, um, honestly. Like, he already won, you know. Like, what would be the point in going out and, you know, thumbing your nose uh, back at, anybody to, to be like, you know, look at me, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't touch me or whatever. Um, I, I, th- I feel like, you know, it, it spoke volumes. It, it was, it was louder the way he handled it than if he had, than if he had gone off or if he had, you know, made a joke or anything like that. No, he, he was very, um, professional and businesslike, um, in his approach to have, you know, to all the questions, cause there were a lot of questions. I mean, like it was, it was the first time that he had had an organized uh, press availability since March. If you don't count like, you know, the, the, the dedication of the tiger tanker, the fire truck uh, at the fire station over by campus, you know, he spoke there, he spoke a couple times at some golf events um, a couple other times, the Southern Heritage Classic speech, he spoke a little bit to you and me um, and, and, and some other media members. But um, but this was the first time that like he sat down, you know, as the Memphis basketball coach, um, you know, inside the a Memphis basketball facility since March. And uh, and yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought he handled it very, very well. Um and and just said all the right things. I thought I thought it was 
I thought it was great. It was, it was, again, it, there were a lot of questions that he faced um, about it. And some of them, he went into some details. I know I asked him, I asked him how he slept the night before, uh, you know, he knew the ruling was coming out the next morning. Um, and, you know, I thought, I thought that he might uh, have some trouble sleeping uh, the night before. And, you know, he kind of laughed it off. Uh, acknowledge, seeming to acknowledge the fact that um, it, it might have been a little tense, you know, because because he, he didn't know he didn't know what was coming. Um, it could have been anything, and I think it wouldn't have surprised him. But um, but no, he, he again he was composed and uh, and answered everything answered everything the way the way the best way he he should have. Honestly, the most striking thing said about it was Kend- what Kendrick Davis said, and he, yeah. you know, he noted that when he picked Memphis this off season, two co- he wouldn't name name the schools, but he said two coaches from like big time schools that were recruiting him told him that was the worst decision they've seen in the last ten years. Him picking Memphis, given what could happen to them, um, and and you know the potential for a postseason ban and all that. Um, and it did kind of illuminate more, you know, more than anyone, like this was high stakes for the players, all these players, especially the guys who transferred to Memphis, like, you know, they were, I don't think, I think if Memphis was, it was telling them, yeah, we, there's a decent chance we're going to get a postseason ban, but come to Memphis. I don't know if all of them are coming to Memphis. My gut tells me Memphis was telling them, Penny was telling them, we feel really good about our case. We don't think we're getting this. We're not, you know, we don't believe we're getting a postseason ban. Come to Memphis. And, you know, they put their trust and their faith in that. And, you know, here they are. You know, it would have been a real, it would have been, like, think about those guys who transferred here. What it would have been like if last week we got the news that Memphis had a postseason ban and those guys had transferred to Memphis. And yeah, maybe they could have got maybe they could have tried to go somewhere else. But at this late a date, find it hard to believe they would have, you know, found a decent landing spot, to be quite honest. And so, you know, I, I said last week I felt really good for the fans. And, you know, Kendrick Davis's comment really highlighted to me. It's also like, you know, really big for those players who picked Memphis and picked Penny Hardaway that this all worked out for them because they had nothing to do with this, you know, ultimately. Now they did know about it, this case going into their, the, the selection process, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, you know, th- th- I thought that was a striking moment from, uh, from Kendrick Davis. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, I, yeah, I, I don't, I can't think of anything else that could have been said <laughs> that would have better illustrated, um, you know, just the the general feeling of the from a player's perspective about how things turned out, because um, yeah, I mean, like it could have it could have been a really really tough situation for a lot of these guys. Some not only some who chose to come here, but some who chose to stay. You know, uh, who who could have gone elsewhere um, and pursued other opportunities, and they didn't. And um, they they've been, you know, sort of rewarded for their faith and their uh their loyalty and um yeah you, you can't help but feel good for those guys all right well the, the 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 event coming up this week jason we had the the open practice last week now thursday memphis basketball is having its pro day 
I, I don't know if we can call it at this point the its annual pro day, the, the third time uh, in five years Penny Hardaway has had a, a pro day. I assume it would be five times if it weren't for the pandemic, but um, it's pro day at Memphis Thursday, and frankly, it's a it's going to be a lot different vibe than the first two. The first one was when they pulled in that 2019 class, and you had James Wiseman, you had Precious Achua there, you know, two two lottery picks on the roster, you know, at the time guaranteed, and then guys like DJ Jeffries and Lester Quinones, who you know, who were coming in with you know, top 50, top 75 rankings in the recruiting rankings. Um, and then um, last year when you had it, you had Jalen Duran and Amani Bates. Um, at the time, both were considered future lottery picks. Jalen Duran turned into a lottery pick. Um, Amani Bates, TBD, but not looking great um, on that front. But nonetheless, Two high, another two high-profile guys on the roster. Now this year, pro day, a little different feel. You've got essentially a couple. Like I think a roster that probably has a bunch of pros, but not necessarily NBA players. Like Kendrick Davis. Part of the reason he's at Memphis is because he was he was like a fringe NBA prospect. DeAndre Williams feels you know like I'm sure he'll get a look at the NBA level, but he's 26 years old. Um, my gut tells me his, you know, much of his pro career is going to be spent outside of the NBA. Um, and then, you know, there's no five-star freshman on the roster and, you know, it's a bunch of, you know, transfer. It's like, it's just a totally different vibe. I'll be curious what, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to be there or not as media members, but I'll be curious, you know, what the scene is like compared to previous years because I can't imagine it's going to be quite the same when there's no surefire lottery picks. I can't imagine there'll be as many NBA personnel as there were the first two pro days. Yeah, I mean, that's probably right. Uh, it's probably going to be a smaller group. I mean, who do you think, like, who do you think will be the biggest draw? I mean, will Kendrick Davis be the biggest draw here? I think, I actually think it's like, you know, like, Honestly, like, yeah, Kendrick Davis, people want to look at, and DeAndre Williams, but like someone like KO is probably more intriguing to pro like scouts because of his measurables. You know, like yeah. his measurables actually, like, I don't know if his game is an NBA game, you know, and it probably isn't, but his measurables are NBA measurables, you know, and so mm -hmm. they might want to get a look at him up close. Um, that, that's sort of how I look at it, frankly. Um, because it, it does bring up the, the idea though, that like, you know, I, I do think what this season is going to be interesting in terms of how it plays out is, you know, how vital is it having those lottery type guys if they're 18 or 19 years old, as opposed to having someone like Elijah McCadden, who Penny called maybe the you know the guy who might be the sleeper on this roster, the guy people people aren't talking about, but who's going to be a really good player for them. Like, is it more valuable to have a 22 year old journeyman pro, if you will, like a DeAndre Williams type, if or, or something like that, as opposed to having you know a 19 year old who's going to have you know his best years are going to be in the NBA, but his talent level is much higher. I, I don't know. 
I don't know the answer to it. And maybe this season gives us a glimpse into, you know, into what that answer is. Well, maybe you'll disagree, but my first thought in, in, in answering that question, I mean, I think obviously we've seen where the way Penny did it last year and the two years before that, I mean, that approach can work, but I think like percentage wise, it's this way, right? I mean, this feels like the, the, the surer bet, the more sure bet. Yeah. I'd feel better about the bet if they had a manual ACOT, not going to lie. Uh, (laughs) it seemed like they had a really nice mix on the roster when they had ACOT, but at the same time, I, you know, it's not to say it's dev, you know, devastating to lose him. Um, cause I just wonder, you know, like, I think, I think ultimately it is better if you have the right mix of guys who are older. Um, the question I have, you know, is do they have enough offensive firepower and shooting, to pull off what Penny's trying to pull off this season. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't think we'll, you know, we're not going to know until the games start. Right. Right. No, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, I think I said this on your radio show earlier this week. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, you don't want to jump to conclusions too quick, uh, too quickly. Uh, you know, we, what we saw was not. Um, we saw stellar. a half hour of one practice. Yeah, and, and but the- I, I'm I'm extrapolating that half hour with the fact that if you look at the percentages right. over the years, because it's not like this is this guy. A lot of these guys have played a bunch of college basketball at this point. You know, True. like that's the reality. Uh, it's not True. like you're watching a half hour practice for an 18 year old who you haven't seen in games yet. These guys have all played a bunch of games, and they are who they are. They're all they're nice players, and I think it's a it's a team. I maintain this. If Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams are healthy, I think this is clearly the second best team in the AAC, and I think they'll compete with Houston. They'll, you know, they'll give Houston a run. Um, at the same time, I think it's going to be a team with some limitations, and it, 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 their ceiling is going to be about how does Penny and that coaching staff minimize those limitations. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nope. I agree. It's, uh, you said it before. You think this is going to be a year where Penny's really going to have to coach hard. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, to me, especially early, um, you know, as you, as you are establishing yourself, uh, as you're, as you're getting things established, I think that, uh, it's, it's going to be, um, you're, you're going to need to see uh, the coaching staff and, and Penny Hardaway obviously being the, the top dog there, um, really, really flexing, the, you know, using their their muscles. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I, I do think that that is going to be and it's a good thing because, uh, I mean, they should feel confident in that way because, I mean, you were talking about Penny Hardaway going into his fifth year. We're talking about the fact that he. Uh, still has Larry Brown on the staff, albeit not as an assistant. You've got Fra- he's hired Frank Haith, um, you know, and he's got so he's he's made some other very um, at right now appear to be very smart hires. Um, he's still got uh, Jermaine Johnson on staff, who by all accounts is a fantastic defensive coach. Same with Faraji Phillips, um, and and Frank Haith. Um, I don't. <laughs> 
maybe this is a, a question like I'm just thinking to myself as I'm talking out loud here. Um, maybe that's a question that we're going to have to ask later on down the road. Or are there two all the profiles uh, on this staff between Penny, who values defense, Frank Haith obviously values defense a lot. Faraji Phillips is a defensive minded guy. Um, you know, I mean, Frank Haith isn't just about defense. He he's obviously done yeah, but his Tulsa things. teams were never very good on offense. Well, <laughs> I'll just say that. No, they got Larry Brown for that. Larry Brown. Hopefully, that's why you want you have him on staff, and yeah. you know, we'll see. You know, maybe you know, like ultimately, Penny found a nice mix last year. The offense was much better last year. Um, they shot the ball better and they ran better sets and. You know, it, that, that I think ultimately that's why they made the NCAA tournament. Um, and um, we'll see what he's got in store for this year. I think it's, you know, this season's going to present its own challenges. It might be, feels like it's going to be easier in the locker room, but maybe a little harder on the court. That's what it feels like to me. If you're looking at this from Penny Hardaway's perspective. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's a fair, uh, fair assessment. Yeah, we shall see. Well, we'll have... Uh, Tons of coverage leading up to the season over at commercialpeel.com. Uh, like we said, pro day this week, exhibition games coming after that. Um, and before you know it, the season opener at Vanderbilt will be here. Um, and Jason Munns will have you covered the whole way. Um, and I will be uh, writing columns. I'm really you know, looking forward to getting the game started here. Um, feels like it was just yesterday we were in Portland for the NCAA tournament. Uh, it feels like new lease on life with this IRP ruling in the in the rearview mirror. So really exciting time to be a Memphis basketball fan, and and make sure you're checking out commercialappeal.com for all your all your Tiger basketball coverage. Till next time, I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you soon. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.